0: This is episode number 83 with Rich Roll and Julie Pyatt. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Beautiful. After finding himself sedentary and overweight in middle age, Rich overhauled his life at age 40 adopted a plant-powered whole foods diet, and reinvented himself as an ultra distance endurance athlete. He went on to clock top finishes at the Ultraman World Championships, and cemented his place in the pantheon of endurance greats when he was the first of two people to complete the epic five, and that is five Ironmans on five Hawaiian islands in under a week. How amazing is that? His inspirational memoir, Finding Ultra, was an Amazon number one bestseller. And he has inspired thousands across the world to embrace a plant-powered diet. He is also a frequent guest on CNN, was named one of the 25 fittest men in the world by Men's Fitness, And is the host of the Rich Roll podcast, Topping Charts on iTunes. He is also a Stanford University and Cornell Law School graduate. And he is an inspiration to people worldwide as a transformative example of healthy living. And his beautiful wife, Julie, has spent decades traveling many paths and studying many traditions. She is a true Renaissance artist who expresses her creative voice as a plant-based chef, a singer-songwriter, yogi, sculptor, painter, spiritual guide, and homeschooling parent to four children. And in today's episode, we chat about their epic love story and how they got to where they are today, how the masculine and feminine plays out in their relationships, how Rich dealt with stepping into the role of a step-parent, their healthy boundaries that they've set in their relationship, the biggest thing that challenges them in their relationship and how they move through it with ease and grace, why there is freedom in commitment, how they keep their relationship exciting and fresh, why and how they work on themselves first before their relationship, What soulful sex means to them, what they attribute their success to, what's bringing them the most joy, what they are working on within themselves at the moment, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 83. But before we dive into today's episode, I would love to read the review of the week. And this one is from Megan Wilson. And she says, Mel, you are the biggest inspiration and have taken me on a beautiful self-love journey that is beyond my wildest dreams. All I can say is that I'm so thankful to have found your inspiring books and podcast. Keep up the amazing work you are doing, sister. You are creating a wellness revolution that I'm so proud and excited to be part of. Much love. Thank you, Megan. That is so beautiful. I'm so grateful for your kind words and your five-star review. I'm really, really grateful. And don't forget to leave a review if you would like the chance to be the review of the week next week. And without further ado, let's bring on this beautiful, inspiring couple, Rich Roll and Julie Pyatt. Rich and Julie, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today, but before we dive in, can you please tell us what you both had for breakfast this morning?
1: I had actually an amazing bowl of warm porridge, and I've been working with combining oatmeal and quinoa and chia seeds, but my secret ingredient is blackstrap molasses.
0: Mm, Yum. And what about you, Rich?
2: Well, I had a little bit of a late breakfast. I just had coffee when I first woke up, but then I came in uh, a little while ago. And what was that? The same porridge that you gave me that I was eating? Yes. uh uh Yeah. yeah, yeah. She put it in this incredible stone. Like what is that dish that you put it in?
1: It's a really rustic kind of, kind of boat type of thing. My next book that I'm working on, my proposal is really linking food to elements of nature. So I'm looking for, vessels to hold the food that are not usual.
0: Mm, Sounds delicious. So next time I'm in your area, I'll be coming over for breakfast. That's for sure. Please do promise. (laughs) Guys, I love a juicy love story and I love following you both on Instagram and just watching the evolution of your work and your relationship. And I have been admiring you both from afar. But can you tell us about your love story? Take us back to where your love story began and how you got together.
2: Julie and I met in a yoga class in West Los Angeles. I was fresh out of rehab at the time. (laughs) I think I had, I don't know, four, six months of sobriety or something like that at this point. And I started going to this yoga class as part of my recovery and And also to reconfigure my social life because I was so used to partying and being in bars and I needed a new environment. And I stumbled upon this yoga class that was the highest concentration of beautiful women I'd ever seen in my life, certainly better than any nightclub I'd ever been in. And I thought, this is my new home. And Julie was practicing yoga there at the time. And I don't know, I just, from the moment I saw her, I had this knowing, not like an inkling, but like a knowing that, like, I was going to be with her. And it took a little while, but...
1: There were some complications. Yeah. I was married to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, some and some uh, other things going on. I was on. not available, actually, and not, uh, I had no idea Rich existed.
2: And I also had taken a one-year vow of celibacy for my first year of sobriety. So, even though I was in this class and had my eye on Julie, I wasn't dating at the time. So, we, you know, we got to know each other a little bit. And it took a little while before we ended up, you know, connecting. But that was the genesis of the whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many years ago was this? Was
2: nine, 99, I yeah. think, 19 years ago.
0: 19 years ago. Wow. Isn't that beautiful, Rich, that you felt that straight away. I felt the same thing with my husband. And I'd had people say to me, when you know, you know, Melissa. And I was like, whatever. I'm like, that is the biggest load of baloney I've ever heard. And then when I met my husband, it it was instant. It was like, I just knew. I knew it was something really deep and special. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I didn't know how it was going to unfold, but I just knew that it was something really magical.
2: I knew, I don't think Julie knew, but I knew. <laughs> it took Julie a little bit longer. But I will say that the heart wants what the heart wants and and I think intellectually at the time I was thinking that my next girlfriend was going to be, you know, I had an idea of what this person would be like in my mind. You know, I thought she'd be younger than me and maybe like no complications and but instead I fell in love with Julie, who was getting out of a marriage and had two young boys, young sons at the time, and, and they were like
1: three and four
2: yeah, it was and you know Julie is older than me and and so it just didn't it, it didn't seem to make sense on paper at all but and I think there were a lot of people who thought maybe this isn't a good idea, me being newly sober and Julie coming out of a marriage, but we've, I think we figured out how to make it work.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think also at the same time I was coming out of a 10 year marriage and I wanted to be single for a while. I was kind of looking forward to my freedom and very devoted to my boys. And, um, you know, they, are, they were the primary focus you know, of my life as a devoted mother and you know, I uh, I had plans to date a lot of people, and I, I do remember when I did have a, my first sort of deep conversation with Rich. I was kind of kind of mildly annoyed, like, oh, this is a marrying guy, like this isn't a dating guy, and and I felt, you know, the timing was just inconvenient. So we both were sort of wishing for something different, but life gave us to each other, and in a way. Uh, the way everything was planned was just sort of like the perfect storm or the perfect, you know, collision of everything, right? In that I had, you know, custody of my kids half the time. And so when I had my children, I didn't see Rich. I didn't introduce him to my kids for about nine months. So it allowed the thing, our relationship to sort of unfold naturally without a lot of pressure because he didn't feel like I was trying to plug him in as a father or I wasn't really looking for any big commitment. So we were able to sort of take our time and, um, you know, go through the normal dating experience and, and figure each other out. And, you know, I think we had, you know, some conflicts in the beginning, some we had to sort of iron out how we were communicating or how we were interacting together. Um, But yeah,
2: I don't remember those. They were
1: like communication type of things or yeah, I think getting to know each other, it was just getting up to speed of, you know, how the relationship cadence worked. But I really feel that we do all know each other from other lifetimes. And it's that recognition that you can't deny. So, you know, not only the people that we end up in relationships with, but also many people in our communities and families you know, you'll have that inkling that you've known them before, or that they're an old friend. And I, I really feel that this is this is true. It's actually true. It's truth. It is a. It is an old relationship that's being reignited.
0: Mm, I absolutely agree. When I got with my husband, I felt like I had known him before, or we had been together in past lives. And we've actually done a little bit of that work, and we were. And it's just like. A familiar coming home and the universe always gives you exactly what you need at the perfect time, even though at that time you guys were like, this isn't what I had imagined, but the universe was like, well, this is what your heart desires right now.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: So in my latest book, Open Wide, the subtitle is A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. I talk a lot about the importance of understanding the divine masculine and the divine feminine energies that we all have and which play out in our relationships. So, how does this show up for you guys and having that understanding of the divine feminine and the divine masculine, how has that played out in your relationship?
2: This is Julie's favorite subject.
1: <laughs> Mine
2: too. <laughs> talk for hours about this.
0: Well, I mean,
1: it's funny. It's interesting in our relationship because Rich and I are more, we're in a relationship of sort of polarity integration where we are two completely different, differently oriented individuals that just are opposite in most ways. And it's that, that opposition that creates the friction that creates the amazing, you know, love that this deep, deep, deep bond. I think that I'm very conscious of those concepts that you just presented, where Rich is not. Um, I don't think that he's thinking about the divine feminine within our relationship. But I would say that he has sort of like an innate sense of how to receive me in that way, either while we're in intimate relationship or even publicly. He does honor me as, you know, as a divine feminine but we don't really have the dialogue about it. If I was married to a yogi or I was, if I was married to a healer or if you and I were married, Melissa, it would like, that would be a different platform. So I don't know if Nick is like that for you. Like, Is he one of you or is he one of a different vibration?
0: Oh no, he is like fully one of me and talks like us. He's like very much like that.
1: Yeah, so I've been in a different experience and I think this is this is interesting to share and it's cool to meet you because I really know that there there are so many relationships that are coming together that are true soulmates and and true I would say like twin flame or or a spiritual partner in those in the way that you and Nick are. And then I think there's also a lot of us that have come in and incarnated into families and situations where we we are with something that's very opposite. And I think it can be confusing in the beginning because, you know, we want, you know, we want more of ourselves. Like we want, you know, we want our partner to think like we do, feel like we do, and experience like we do. But in reality, in many, many relationships, that's not happening. And and from my viewpoint, for what Rich and my work is together, as we are together intimately and also with our work publicly we are polarizing this gap. So there are people that listen to me now or follow my podcast or come to me for spiritual counseling who never would have been able to hear me if they didn't come through Rich's portal or see Rich expressing their sort of their reality or their frequency. And I'll give you an example on retreats. We take people to uh, to Italy um, and other locations, and we do these weeks of spiritual transformation. And we have about thirty three guests and about ten crew. And in these sessions, in these workshops, the reason they're so genius is that I'll be talking about a subject like divine marriage or divine sacred sex, or you know, divine feminine and masculine. And Rich will ask me all of the burning questions you know, that everybody's thinking in the room or that half the people in the room are questioning. So he voices their, their questions or their, um, uh, maybe skepticism or, or sometimes he'll just say funny, like, I don't even know what you just said to me, you know, he'll say, I have no idea what you and the whole room erupts laughing. But what it does is it allows them to go ahead and open up and understand that we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. And it gives them sort of that portal to be able to, you know, to reconnect with something very, very deep within themselves.
0: Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Because the reality is, lots of people are either going on this journey themselves and maybe their partner isn't, and they haven't got that dialogue, but having the understanding and the awareness within yourself is is a great place to start. So thank you for sharing that. I'm curious to know how has for you, Rich, being a step-parent, because Julie obviously had the two beautiful boys and you came into that, How has that been for you? Because I'm also a step-parent, so I have a 12-year-old stepson. And when I first met Leo, he was five, but we didn't get together until he was seven. So that has been a huge journey for me, and I've written about it in both of my books. But I'd love to hear from your perspective how that has evolved for you and how that's affected your relationship with Julie
2: yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, like I said, you know when I first connected with Julie, the idea that I would would also step into some form of a parenting role was some you know something that I would have never planned for myself or contemplated, and I certainly didn't feel adequately prepared for it at the time. But when you know when Julie and I you know really were began taking our relationship seriously, the boys were like three and four years old at the time. And their dad, Julie's ex-husband, you, know, was, was a great dad. I mean, he was very present in their lives and, and very involved. and, and Julie's split with, with Lou was was very conscious. And, and so I didn't feel like I had to not only did I feel like I didn't have to you know sort of replace their father, it was inappropriate for me to develop that kind of relationship with them. So I was always very conscious of. Of the fact that they have their dad, and that's their dad, and I'm not their dad, and I'm there to support them and to be, you know, a guiding force to the extent that, you know, I could, without trying to step across that boundary or that line. And so I sort of looked at myself more as like an maybe more like an uncle. Um, but then their father passed away several years ago, and and and. You know, things sort of changed after that and they were much older at the time. Um, but then, you know, it became a situation of having to shoulder a little bit more of that responsibility and trying to figure out where, where I fit because still, you know, it's not for me to, to, to be their dad and to fill the void that, that was lost when he passed away, but to try to figure out a way to be able to be there for them in a more comprehensive way than i was prior to that and now they're 23 and 22 years old they just moved out and got their own place so they're fully formed young men at this point
1: yeah and if i can add one thing that i was genius for me with rich and again it was just something that was a perfect match for us is as i said before you know i'm a devoted mother if if i'm anything i'm a mother first so there was no question to me, I I had no interest in introducing my boys to any string of men that I was considering to have a relationship with. So I just simply didn't allow, you know, anybody that I was dating to see them. Um, And then the beautiful thing with Rich is that he understood that and was okay with that from a very early on in our relationship. So, you know, if the boys weren't feeling well, after we were all, you know, living together, or they came to my bed, it was like, you know, they, Rich was the one on the couch, like not, not the boy. So, and that's just the way it was. And he, he never inserted himself in between us. There was never a power struggle. There was never any, you know, you hear in, you know, mixed in, you know, broken relation, not broken relationship, but you know, it's second relationships you'll hear, you know, Oh, well, you know, the the mom uh, left them with us on their night and it's not their night. It's our night. Like we had none of that. Um, we always wanted to be with them. Their dad always wanted to be with them, and they, we never put them with a third party. And we just, you know, we celebrated them and loved them, and they treasure Rich. They love him. They consider him a father figure and a very dear friend and a great example. And so it's been uh, it's been really amazing.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that because for me. It's been a journey of, like Rich said, kind of finding my groove a little bit with it because it's, and it might be different for the feminine because it is so innate within us to mother. And so when I stepped into that role, it's almost like a default setting to want to mother and nurture, but I had to kind of put the brakes on a little bit and remind myself that he has a mum and to find what's my place and how can I play this like fun auntie or like this fun guardian person as opposed to stepping into that innate mothering role, which is just so, I mean, Julie, you know what I'm talking about. Like it's just so inbuilt within us. So I love that you shared that, Rich, that you kind of had to find your groove a little bit, and kind of like, okay, well, where's my position and what's my role? Because that's definitely been the same for me over the past couple of years.
2: Yeah, and I would just add to that that you know what was helpful to me was understanding that it's not about me and it's not about you. It's not like like you you have this impulse or this instinct like where do I fit in? What is my role and what? If, what does it look like for me but if you can step outside of that and just think about what do these children need or what does this child need and and fulfill that for them then you'll f- find your groove
0: and they just they need love they you know that's what they all want is just love isn't it yeah that's what we all want <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we i want that
0: <laughs> yeah thank you so much for sharing that that's really helpful so guys let's get super practical now. You both live and work together. And hands down, I think anyone that can do that is amazing. And my husband and I are the same. We live and work together. So how do you guys make it happen? Can you give us your top five best tips on how to live and work together and coexist in the one space?
2: First of all, Our sort of rule book for that might look different from yours because Julie and I are so opposite. Our work habits are very different. You know, like the way that I work, the way that I approach my work is very different than the way Julie approaches her work. And we do collaborate on many things, but we also do things separately. And so you have to find your own language with that and where. And where those boundaries lie about what works for you, and I think we've developed a mutual respect for each other's respective habits. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to get Julie to do her work the way that I do my work, and she's not trying to get me to change how I do it to to fit her modus operandi. And we, you know, it took us some time to figure that out about each other. So I think, you know, rule number one for us, and I don't know if this is applicable to anybody else, is to have a mutual respect for how the other person functions, you know, at their core. And I think that perhaps goes back to your original question about the divine feminine and the divine masculine. I think built into those two archetypes are different perspectives and prisms through which, you know, we each perceive the world and the relationship that we have with you know our you know our work and 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 what that looks like. So, you know, I don't sit next to Julie at a table all day and you know and collaborate. Like I have my own workspace and I retreat into that, and that's how I function best, sort of by myself in isolation. Julie's much more of a collaborator. I'll come into the kitchen and she has Leah who works with us, working with her, or maybe there's a couple people here and. She's in her flow and it's, it's a much more communal and sort of verbal, uh, physical experience than, than what I do, which is kind of sit with myself, um, I guess you would say. So um, so I think rule number one, that would be just knowing, you know, first of all, having a core understanding of how each of you functions and having a respect for that. And then developing a language from you know, to communicate around those habits so that you can find a functional way to collaborate, so that when you do come together and when you are together, you're creating that spark that produces something that's greater than the sum of your two parts.
1: Yeah, and I would also say, if I can just add Melissa to that, would be uh, you know, maybe I only have one tip for working together, and that would be to understand that every single answer to every single question or any every single answer to every dream or desire or need to express everything is within your own heart and so to develop that inner core connection first with yourself so that you really know yourself then can allow you to collaborate with your partner or with anybody from a place of real solidarity and real strength where you can bring your talents to the expression and be you know very solid in those so again it's like if you, if you're in a relationship and you're looking for your partner to give you anything i think that it breeds a lot of unhappiness or disappointment or a lot of back and forth when if you spend time really cultivating your own connection then you come to the relationship very full and the sharing and collaborating and flowing can be very, very powerful and also very authentic to each individual inside the relationship.
0: Yeah, I love that. I agree. It's, it really does come back down to the self-inquiry, going within first and cultivating that beautiful relationship within ourselves. And you're right, all the answers are within. And then collaborating from that place, going to others from that place, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, absolutely. and I think
2: understanding what your respective strengths and weaknesses are. You know, Julie excels at certain things that I'm not good at and vice versa. And the more you can kind of understand that, that helps with division of labor. So, you know, now we have such a shorthand from working together for so long that we don't even need to talk about it. We know when we launch into something, okay, this is the thing that Julie's going to handle and this is the thing that I'm going to handle and we can do that independent of each other. Um So I think it it goes back, you know. I think ultimately to the depth of intimacy that you have with your partner. How well do you really know that person, and how developed are your communication skills so that you can, um, you know, express your needs and have those needs met? Because I think you know relationships are are tricky enough without adding in the professional aspect of it, and then when you're working together things can get sideways very quickly. So I think it's super important to really double down on your communication skills so that things aren't getting misunderstood. And like Julie said, disappointments and resentments start to creep up. And that can cause havoc and real problems in a relationship. So I think that that is um, super fundamental. When you work together, as I'm sure you've experienced with your husband, um, it's very easy to allow the relationship to slide into a secondary position behind your work relationship. And before you know it, all you're talking about is your work stuff all day. And you think that you're connecting with each other um, on a relationship level, on an intimacy level, but really the person has become your professional collaborator. And so I think it takes a lot more intentionality and to make sure that you're carving out time that isn't work-related. Okay, we've done work. Now, Like, where is the boundary where now we're going to go do something that doesn't have anything to do about work and has everything to do with our relationship and our intimate connection?
0: Absolutely agree. And that was going to be my next question is how do you guys cultivate that and, and what sort of healthy boundaries do you set? Because I know for Nick and I, we can very much fall into talking about work, 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 and and getting so excited about our collaborations and so excited about our projects that I'm like, hang on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We are lovers first and foremost. And it could go like a couple of days and I'm feeling frustrated or a little bit agitated. And I realize it's because we haven't taken that time to be lovers. You know, and so we have set some really healthy boundaries, like we close our laptops and our phones at around five o'clock and we go for walks together and we don't take our phones and just little things like that. And we go on dates together. We have no work talk after 5 p.m. and, you know, just little things like that. And it does take a little bit more conscious awareness, you know, to go stand up paddleboarding or to do some things that really connect you in that way. So are there any other little healthy boundaries or little things that you guys do to make sure that you are really getting that time as lovers?
1: Well, I mean, more for us is, and we have, you know, we have two other kids. So up until a month ago, we have five kids living here with us. Whoa. Yeah, because our nephew, our nephew lived with us as well. So now the three older boys moved out just in January, but we have two little girls, 10 and 14. So, and with everything that we're doing and, and, and creating and expressing in our lives for us, we try to make time to get together to like go on a date so we can, you know, connect in that way. And rather than having daily walks, which is an impossibility for us, we focus on quality instead of quantity. So I was never in a relationship with Rich or the type of partner who wanted him home every night for dinner. I'm extremely independent, and I don't need him sitting next to me, you know, all the time. So I'd rather see him less, but make sure when I see him, it's really amazing. So you know, we'll plan a date night, or you know, sometimes we'll go to a hotel. Um, sometimes you know, we'll go away for a couple of days, but we try to make sure that we have that time to connect. But when we when we are together, we make it count so that it's super special. Um, so for us, it, it's it, especially after now it's like 19 years, so it's less daily and more you know a couple times a week that we know we're going to have that time.
0: Mm, that's really beautiful. And I love that. It's about the quality and really making the time to, to have that quality time together. And I, wow, five kids, you, you guys are my heroes.
2: I don't know. <laughs> we had, yeah. Five, well, one of them is our, was our nephew. And then, I mean, we've been, we've taken in, you know, people along the way too. I think there was one time like a year and a half ago, two years ago, where I, I think we had nine people living in our house. Yeah,
1: me too.
2: There was a lot of activity and energy, you know, here. So...
1: Which has been great. It's, been, it's yeah. been amazing. Really amazing. Amazing creative people and, you know, a lot of amazing community. And now we're kind of entering a different phase of our life where we're, you know, enjoying the space. With two kids, feels like I have so much space. And instead, I've been going to have dinner with my boys in Los Feliz, and we've been, you know, having a dinner a week, which has been super sweet.
0: Mm, That's so beautiful. And you guys are based in LA, is that correct? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's right.
0: So, if there's one thing that challenges you most about within your relationship, what is it, and how do you guys move through it with as much ease and grace as possible? I
1: think again, it's, it's a, it's a different cadence of being. Rich and I are so extreme that it, it comes right down to things like he likes super freezing temperatures when he sleeps and I like to be warm. Um, he, uh, doesn't like to talk at certain times of the day. (laughs) Like you can't speak to him or he will freak out. Um, there's just, you know, I was always a cuddler. He doesn't like to be touched. Um, so there's some interesting things uh that go along with being an ultraman and just the extremity and everything that Rich has in his personality, which makes him so amazing and able to do these amazing things. And I would say that the fact that he is in a recovery program, um, he's been in recovery for many years, that this has given him an amazing toolbox for conflict resolution. And um, as well as, you know, my spiritual practices and luckily and amazingly, we have an amazing ability to resolve conflict and it doesn't mean that we don't get upset or we don't have this friction or this, you know, uh, kind of, you know, irritation between us or whatever, but we have an ability to communicate very honestly and very authentically and very openly and somehow we're able to resolve that and transform it uh in this in this time span of, of a pretty short time period
2: yeah i think you know we have conflict and we we fight and we get on each other's nerves just like any two people would who cohabitate and we've been living together for almost 20 years so that happens so it's not about like how do we live in this blissful state where we're never having disagreements? I think disagreements are healthy. If you're not having disagreements, you're probably not being honest or forthright. But when, when emotions get the best of us and, you know, the volume gets turned up or there's some intensity to some conflict that we have, we are able to communicate our way through it. And the half life of, you know, the residue of that wears off very quickly. So, I, I can't remember the last time where I like stewed for you know more than a half an hour after any kind of conflict that we had, we like, we get over it quickly.
1: Yeah. We get in it. We get really real. We get in it and we, we go full on and then it's gone.
2: We, we don't like, I have a rule, which is like, if we're in it, like even if every impulse in me is to like storm out or like leave, like I just won't leave until we've talked it through to the other side. And sometimes that takes a long time and it requires patience and, you know, a level of, you know, mindfulness to kind of stay in it when emotions are grabbing at you. But, and I don't do it perfectly, but I think we've got a good sort of formula for how we manage that stuff.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, in the past have you know, drawn out arguments with ex-partners and gone to bed angry and then it lasts for weeks and, you know, something Nick and I are deeply committed to is, yeah, same sort of thing as you guys is let's just get in it and, and let's do it and let's, you know, say what we need to say and then let's let it go. And Nick really inspired that within me, you know, he's very able to drop things like he's just like he's able to move through it. Uh, very quickly. And he's like, Oh, are you, st-? you know, he sometimes said to me, Are you still thinking about that? That like happened three days ago. <laughs> and I'm like, Yes, I'm still thinking about it. So you guys have inspired me to just get in it, say the words, and then, and don't leave until it's resolved, but just move through it as quickly as you possibly can with as much ease and grace.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, is, you know, it's really freedom. I mean, forgiveness and letting go is, is really such a powerful act. And if we're, talking about walking a spiritual path or being present in our lives and in our relationship then we're reborn with every single breath. So if you're hanging on to something that happened last week, last month, an hour ago, 5 minutes ago, you're not present. And so just making the decision to let go and step into a new reality is available to every single one of us on the, on the very next breath. And being able to sort of employ that skill in your relationship is a huge asset.
2: And I would say that conversely, you know, when you're in that when you're in that conflict, if you have that fear of saying you're, you know, speaking your truth, then it's worth looking at why that makes you afraid. Like, is it because you don't feel safe or you feel like if you spoke your truth, there'd be some, you know, terrible repercussion? And if that's the case, how can you create a safe environment for you to explore conflict and and express yourself honestly and openly so that you can move past it.
1: But I think that goes back to what you presented before and it's that that agreement or those boundaries that you won't walk out of the room, that you won't leave the house, that you won't you won't enter into that, you know, I'm going to abandon you because you've said something that I don't like right. or you've said something that I don't agree with and this is You know, Rich and I talk about it on, you know, the podcast that we do together. It's this, we experience this immense freedom in commitment. And the freedom and commitment comes with this, you know, this foundational alliance that we have between each other that we feel very, very deeply. And um, that's a big asset as well to be able to give that to your partner and make that commitment that. I'm going to stand here even when I don't like your behavior, or I'm going to stand here even when you say something that, you know, that I wish you wouldn't have said. Um, That is powerful conflict resolution and is essential to a long-term, deep, spiritual, intimate relationship.
0: I absolutely love that. It's so beautiful. And for a lot of people that are looking at you both from the outside, you know, you are in the public eye. It's very easy for people to put you both on a pedestal, but we all face, you know, conflict and challenges. So are there any common misconceptions that the public may have about you as a couple? I think we've been transparent and told everybody <laughs> yeah, everything about us.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you would probably... you it's hard to it's hard to gauge how you're received i mean i feel like we do a good job to, to the best of our ability to be honest and transparent in in the content in the work that we do in the podcasts, et etc in the books you know trying to be genuine and authentic to the truth of our of who we are and, and what our relationship looks like with war you know warts and all like now, I'm not, I, the last thing I want is to you know, be on some pedestal speaking down to people and telling them what they should and they shouldn't do. You know, One of the things I learned in recovery that I take to heart and I think about on a daily basis is that I'm not here to give anybody advice or tell them what they should or shouldn't do or how to live. I'm here to share my experience. Mm-hmm. And if my experience resonates with you, if it connects with you, and you can relate to it, perhaps then there's something about that experience of mine that could be of benefit in your own life. So I think when you're sharing from an experiential level as opposed to an academic or intellectual level, um, not only does it allow people to uh, emotionally connect with what you're saying, it frees you from that burden of, uh, you know, of, of being this person who's supposed to have the answers to everything, because I certainly don't.
1: Well, and I think that really the only thing any of us can really do is share from our personal experience. And, you know, if you're not, and if you're, um, I, I feel that in today's landscape, if you're spinning something or, or if there's any even bit, even a little thread of manipulation in your actions, um, you know, there's room to meditate on that and to step into a place of spiritual balance, maybe equanimity or authentic sharing that could actually help somebody. And, you know, this isn't a, it's not a one-stop life. And uh, my evolution of enlightenment and coming to know myself is going to look completely different than yours and completely different than Rich's or anyone else listening to this podcast right now the only thing that we do is share from our experience and and by doing that we are always in alignment because that's my truth that's my experience i can only speak to what i have experienced firsthand i don't know what's right for another individual you know specifically that individual has to come to that realization or that truth themselves that's the meaning of life that's the purpose of life so um i mean i think that if i think that it is possible though for somebody pr- to project onto us like for instance that you know we never ever you know eat an unhealthy food or our kids are pristine and you know only eat sprouts and you know this just isn't true i mean you know we're living this plant based lifestyle uh, we are around amazing food and it's a aspirational you know way to live but we're all human beings and we're all You know, involved in either dietary or consumerism or some kind of act that is causing harm to the planet. So we know that in our experience, living plant based has been a huge shift in our life and it has changed our life for the better and many, 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 many other people that we know. And we know that we're voting with our dollars and we're, you know, buying products and creating products that are good for our bodies, for the planet, and also kind and compassionate to animals. And even within that, you know, your life has to be your life. So we're human beings and it's a, it's a river that's flowing and we have to pick our battles with our kids to try to be good examples. But you know, we're human. So, uh, you know, don't put us on a pedestal, just, uh, feel like hopefully if we've been successful in sharing our message, well, hopefully you feel as if you could pull up a chair and sit next to us. That would make us happy.
0: I definitely feel that with you guys. So I'd love to hear now, how do you guys keep, you know, you've been together for almost 20 years. How do you keep injecting freshness or excitement into your relationship?
2: Well, Julie just dyed her hair blonde. (laughs) So that's one thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was not for that reason, though. (laughs) No. um, Well, one thing that's amazing with Rich and me, and I think it's just another one of those things of why we're so great together, is that we are very intimately um, matched in a beautiful way. And when we enter into intimacy together, it's never the same. It's completely like a creative, a new creative dance that goes one direction. and it's really amazing. I mean, I think that's amazing because I've been married three times. Um, and so I know I know what it's like to be in long-term relationships that maybe aren't as well matched uh, intimately. but I'm super. Blown away just repeatedly on how every time I'm with Rich, I feel like I was just had a romantic liaison with my boyfriend. Like it always feels like that to me.
2: I'm going to need that audio clip and I'm going to save it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're always growing, if you're always pushing yourself to expand, you know, in your own personal life and you apply that to your relationship, then you have the ability to avoid those plateaus or you have a better shot at pushing through those plateaus i think when you get sort of self-satisfied in your life and you put on cruise control and you think everything's chill and now you can just relax um you are buying into an illusion because there is no stasis you're either moving backwards away from growth regressing or you're or you're Growing and expanding. And I think that's true in business. It's true in sobriety. It's true in career and it's certainly true in relationships. So I think as human beings, we want to think like everything's, everything's cool. Like it's, it's always going to be this way. And I can just take a breath. And you know, honestly, you can't like every action you take, every, every exchange you have with your partner, every, thought you entertain and you know behavior that you engage with is either moving you to become a better person or is moving you away from that idealized version of yourself that you aspire to inhabit and i think the more mindful you can be of that the better place y- you know you will find yourself in in terms of how you relate to your partner and 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 the kind of dynamic of the relationship that you're 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 in will be benefited by that
1: yeah i mean in our case you know i've said i've i've said many times that if i'm not completely unrecognizable every seven years that i'm not really living so the the trajectory of my life has been one of evolution and and rich chose me for that reason you know for the reason that i'm always pushing the boundaries and i'm always. I'm always moving the, la- the line, like, okay, okay, now where am I going? Now where's the evolution? Now that might not be right for every single relationship. You could get two people that they don't want that experience, and that would be beautiful for them. But for us, um, freshness and newness and creativity and excitement is not something that's lacking from our lives and from our experience. And, you know, that's It's from the fact that we eat amazing food, that, you know, I practice yoga and meditate. We're both, you know, rich as an ultraman, you know, we're both extremely fit, we're extremely connected to our creative flow. We're working on various projects. We've had beautiful children together, which enrich your life, you know, even more exponentially. So now every everything that's going on in each of their universes is, you know, flowing back into us and inspiring us and touching us and challenging us in all different kinds of ways and then we've had this extended community that we've opened our home to so we've had some very special people that have been very close in our life and yes it takes a lot of energy all that takes a lot of energy but it brings a lot of life with it and a lot of opportunity for expansion for evolution you know it's like the alchemy of the sandpaper or the fi- or the fire burning you into you know new and new and new versions of yourself more expanded versions of yourself so um we'll never stop growing we'll never stop creating and 20 years in uh yeah i would say we are we have plenty of excitement creativity and uh, freshness in our relationship
0: i love that guys what does soulful sex mean for you guys
1: soulful sex really
2: just means being super connected with the person that you're with, not thinking about, you know, the fact that you didn't call that guy back or fantasizing about somebody else, but being completely present with the person that you're with. Like, you know, it's, it's interesting to see this, um, you know, groundswell of interest in mindfulness and meditation. And it's, it's not a mistake that it's happening now because, we've never been we're in this you know toxic culture of distraction it's never been easier to distract yourself there's no reason to ever be bored ever again because no matter what line you find yourself waiting in you always have that device in your pocket that you can pull out pull out and entertain yourself and the the downside of that is we've lost an appreciation for just being you know for being totally focused on whatever it is wherever we find ourselves and with whomever we find ourselves. And so I think soulful sex is is really uh, – it, it, it really is just what sex should be, which is being completely immersed in the moment and the presence of the other human being that you're sharing this exchange with.
1: Beautifully said, honey. That was awesome. You
2: pointed at me. I think I was going to be able to answer There's that cute. one. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was awesome. Yeah, and I would just add to that. I would say soulful sex is sex that is – that is, that is experience with your beloved, with all of your being, with all of your physical self, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your spirit, all of your presence that is free from pornography, toys, um, and distraction, fantasy, any of that. It is about being fully, fully present with that person and entering into this sort of spontaneous dance that is really an offering. Of your recognition of that being as an emanation of of this beautiful forest of divinity, so we all are uh, these instruments of divinity that are expressing through us. And if we can shift the le- the lens to really understand that each one of us, and that's every single one of us, is expressing this divinity, and, and that is the origin. And to have your beloved view you from that lens, literally elevates the entire experience to something that I call sacred sex. And I think that as couples and as lovers and as humans, we are going to rewrite the way that we interact with each other sexually because sexuality is the same energy as creativity and it's the same energy as spirituality. And this is a powerful force that can be used to heal, to transform, to to elevate, to manifest, and to express more and more love and connect us with our divinity. We don't know how to do it now as a culture, but we're going to rewrite it and we're going to be the ones that create a new way of being together in relationship.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's so perfectly said. What do you guys attribute your relationship success to? Do you think I mean we've spoken a lot about communication. Do you think that would be it?
2: I mean, I think that's a huge piece of it for sure. I mean, I think it's all the things that we've been talking about. It's it's uh communication is huge, trust is is huge. Um and I think you know feel like the sense of security that you're with somebody and and that it's safe to be who you are, you know, that, that you are respected for who you are, that you're not in a situation with somebody who is trying to, trying to get you to be somebody else. You know, (laughs) I think, and I think that's fundamentally a huge problem with, with many relationships, if not most relationships, you know, we enter in Julie likes, Julie can say this, you know, much more eloquently than I, but, you know, relationships, romantic relationships, um, are for the most part, very transactional. You know, you get involved with somebody and then you project onto that person, some idealized version of who they are. That's really like this, this, uh, this yarn, this narrative that you've spun in your mind out of, out of fantasy. And then, when that person doesn't live up to that ideal, you become resentful, and then you try to get that person to conform to your ideal. And this is happening going back, you know, from uh, from both sides. And I think that that leads to a lot of frustration, and ultimately to you know heartbreak. Um, and we figured out a way through trial and error, and through burning in the fire, and through many mistakes. Um, how to transcend that paradigm so that we can be with each other as we are. You know, Julie doesn't need me to be different than who I am. And I don't need her to be anything other than who she is. And my job is to shine a light on her and, and, and to help her voice get heard and to respect her voice rather than try to get it to sound like my voice.
0: Yeah. I love that. What's something that's bringing you each the most joy right now in your life?
1: Well, I would say what's bringing me the most joy in my life right now is that I have come to a point of integration in my being, um, where I finally feel that I'm home. Um, that's the best word that I can use to express this emotion, but, um, I've always had a certain level of, ten- of tension, of striving, or I would say before when I was in my early 20s, I would call it ambition, which was you know well-intentioned ambition. Um, then we went through a financial collapse and went through our spiritual dark night for nine years. And then I was um, alchemized into another level of sort of service in a way. Authentic service is what where rich and I arrived and that's been the last, you know, nine years or so. And now, um, I don't know. I just feel like I had this moment where I've expressed myself in, in enough mediums and I've, I've stepped into my spiritual gifts, um, without edit. And I'm feeling this amazing integration that has just come in really just since January. And I finally feel as if, there is nothing that I, nothing that I need outside of myself. I'm feeling this deep, deep sense of of home. I, I don't know how else to how else to express it.
0: Beautiful. I love it. What about you, Rich?
2: You know, I could talk about things that I'm personally working on that I'm excited about, but I think more than that, I'm excited about um, being witness to some pretty massive. Um, culture shifts right now. You know, when, when, when I began this journey, you know, that I've been on and that Julie and I have been on, the world was very different. Um, and now it's sort of like, at least as as far as like the, the, the kind of mainstreaming of awareness with things like about plant based nutrition and being a plant based athlete and meditation and mindfulness and like, you know, conscious awareness around around food choice and environmental preservation, like these are the subjects of the day. And, you know, in the United States right now, it's a, it's a pretty grim political landscape. And it's easy to become uh, disaffected and, and and kind of withdraw because it, it, it appears to be so bleak if you just scroll through your Twitter feed and see what people are saying. But I see a different side of that, which is hope, and beautiful artistic expression, and 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 the coming of age of a new generation of people of beings who really care about these things, um, and are putting their advocacy to work into action. And I'm seeing the shifts in hearts and minds and habits in a in a very real way that makes me optimistic about the future.
0: Beautiful. Now, I'd love to hear. What is one thing that you're currently working on, or would like to improve within yourself at the moment?
1: I'm working on, and you know, but if somebody listens to this and, and they know me, they may find this to be surprising. But you know, I think that there's always an opportunity to be more and more and more authentic. There are gifts and talents and power that I have um, from past lifetimes, multiple lifetimes that I'm now threading in and. It's kind of I mean, it's super exciting to um, to be on the on sort of the precipice of really embodying all of me, all of my energy and you know, as Rich shared, you know to to be in the relationship without edit without you know without conformity. And you know, while I have a lot of freedom in my life, there's always levels of conformity that are there. you know there's always some boundary or some, some body that you've grown into, right? that then but then you grow out of and then you move into the next uh the next form. So, yeah, I think um I have more growing to do in my ability um to communicate universally, multiversally and to really embody the the divinity that is my song, that is my offering which will come through um, voice. I'm working on some new music, some new vocal tonings. Um, my sitar playing is coming into you know a, a, a good form, a fine form. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really um, excited to integrate all of that into my being in a way that I haven't in my life as of yet.
0: Awesome. I can't wait to see and witness what unfolds. I mean, I'm just you
2: know spilling over with character defects, so you know there's no shortage of things that I need to work on. <laughs> you know? I mean, I could go on and on and on about the pitfalls of my character, but I think the 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 biggest you know thing that i that I need to master this year that has caused me tumult and and handicapped me is really getting intentional and focused around. The boundaries that need to be erected to create deep work, you know, because it's very easy to get caught up in what needs to happen today. And like, as somebody who hosts a podcast, like, okay, I have to prepare for this show. And then when am I going to post this on Instagram about that? And like, who's, when am I going to edit this? And, you know, there are all the many things that go into producing the show that I do and the other kind of ancillary promotional activities around that could consume me, you know, for the week. And, and, but in order to really express at the highest level that I'm capable of, I need to make choices around what's most important and to say no to things that seem important in the day, but really truly are just ephemeral and, and not as important as, as, as I would like to think they are so that I can, you know, write my next book and, you know, do things that are now harder than they would have been years ago because there's more demands on my time. And those demands come in the form of really beautiful packages with nice bows on them that seem really exciting and fun and cool because they are, but ultimately are distractions from what is truly the most important exercise of my most precious and limited resource, which is my time. And I have a lot of work to do on that because I do get caught up in the day-to-day and I make those choices um, not always as mindfully as I could and should.
0: Mm, Thank you for your honesty. Let's pretend that you both have a magic wand and you could put one book in the high school curriculum of every school around the world. Now, besides your books, if you could each put one book in the curriculum, what would you choose?
1: Mm that's a good question.
2: It's funny because there's so many book great books that are that are on the curriculum but but it's almost like they're not properly taught or the mind isn't ready to receive them. Like for example Siddhartha is an extraordinary book. Like if you really understand what that book is saying, like that could just light your pants on fire and set you on the adventure of a lifetime. But it's just sort of presented as this academic exercise in a way that that fails to inspire the hearts and the minds of the young people that are reading it so it's almost not about the book it's almost about the messenger of the book so you know i think it it has so much to do with the teacher uh, as much as it has to do with you know the pages that are being presented by the teacher to the student
1: that'd be good i guess i would say just the book that comes to mind is the alchemist just because it's a, it's a good story that I think applies to everybody.
0: Yeah, I love that. Uh, Leo actually read that last year in school and he doesn't go to like a conscious or a spiritual school. He doesn't go to one of those types of schools. He just goes to a, a, a normal school here in Australia. And that was one of the books. So when he came home and told us that Nick and I were jumping up and down, we we're like, that's amazing. It's so great. So, I've got three little rapid fire questions for you both now. In your opinion, what is one thing that we can do for more health in our life today? Like, how can we do one thing today that will improve our health? You can uh,
1: drink a, get up in the morning and drink a large glass of body temp water as a flush immediately.
0: Love it. What about you, Rich?
2: Get eight hours of sleep. How's that for a revolutionary concept?
0: And both of those things everyone can do and it's so easy. We just got to implement it. Hey. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life.
1: You can cultivate an attitude of gratitude, Um, spend time writing, thinking, reminiscing, experiencing everything that you have in your life to be grateful for. And see and look around you, everything that you have around you that is available for you to utilize, experience, share, create with. Um, All of us have so much more than we really think. And we're thinking about that shiny red bike that we wish we had the money to buy when sitting right next to us on the couch might be you know, some other amazing, uh, you know, bicycle that we could use now.
2: I would say if you want to cultivate wealth and bring prosperity into your life, take something that is meaningful to you or valuable to you and give it away and do it anonymously. Find somebody who would value that and gift it to them. And it should hurt a little bit. It should be something you probably don't want to give away, something that you have maybe a little bit of an unhealthy attachment to. And I think that ignites the spirit of giving. And when you're in the mode or the habit of giving, of being in service to others, that is the magical pill that will invite wealth and opportunity into your life, as counterintuitive as that may sound.
0: Mm, No, that's beautiful. And now I'd love to hear what is one thing we can do for more love in our life? Well, one thing you can do is love yourself, cultivate
1: a love with yourself because, you know, and I'm not going to say like, if you don't love yourself, you can't love anyone because that's what everybody says. But what I'm really saying is no, really, really, really cultivate a relationship with yourself. Um, you know, look at the way that you speak to yourself, the way that you speak to your body on a daily basis. What what are the things that you're telling yourself, and really shift that and choose to honor your body as divine and to really, really cultivate that. Hold yourself, nurture yourself, put yourself first. Um, always choose yourself first, and really cultivate that self love, and then you can express a lot more love and compassion in the world. But I just taught this Beloved Retreat in Miami. And um, after all the workshops, it's just very clear that many of us are very disconnected from that primary relationship, which is the love relationship with yourself.
2: Yeah, I don't have much to add to that other than you know a different way of saying that or a, a twist on that is to really think about becoming the person that you would, want to be in a relationship with. Rather than trying to find that person outside yourself, focusing on being the person that's healthy enough to be in that kind of relationship is is really the the healthiest way forward.
0: Yeah, I agree, guys. Thank you for sharing that. Now I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day and how they set themselves up for success. So, do you guys have a morning routine that really sets you up for a successful day and if so, could you share it with us?
1: Well, for me, uh it depends, you know, I I go through different phases, but um, as a mother of so many, I have just come to realize that if I'm not up very early in the morning filling myself, getting my meditation in, my yoga practice, my tea ceremony, then there's no time throughout the whole day. So my favorite hour is 4:30 a.m. And um, many, many mornings you can find me beginning my spiritual sadhana at that time, which includes tea, like I said, tea ceremony, meditation, some chanting, uh, some sitar, some harmonium. It could be any any combination of those. But that's when I tap in, and that's when I get um, connected with my spirit, and I receive messages. And it, it just makes it sets my whole life up um, to be very beautiful. Um, and so that is my main focus.
2: I wish I was as diligent as Julie. With regard to the the morning routine, I go in phases like where I do really well for a while and then I fall off. And today was one of the days that I <laughs> that I've, I've sort of been falling off, I guess recently. but when I' when I'm operating at my best, I get up and I will meditate for 20 minutes and I will do some journaling for maybe a half an hour. Um, and then perhaps some work on a writing project, and then I go out and trade. So one of the things that I do, and this is a luxury, you know, that we're we're lucky to have, but because I'm self employed, I can make up the, the the sort of rule book about how I structure my professional day, and I try not to um, schedule any calls or um, meetings or anything like that before noon. So I know that, um, from when I wake up until noon, which seems like a lot of time, but I'm out training for these races that I can do all those things. And, you know, a a big portion of that is me training. And, you know, I need to do that for clarity of, of mind. And that's, you know, when my messages come to me. Um, but when I've concluded that, then I'm, I'm ready to kind of tackle the rest of, you know, whatever the professional day might deliver.
0: Beautiful, I love that, guys. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I have one final question: What can I do, and the listeners do, to serve you guys today? How can we serve you? Wow, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was, was expecting that, that question. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, um, how do you serve us? Well, I mean, if you, I, I presume, if you're listening to this, you enjoy podcasts. So, if if, if you're new to Julie and I, then probably the best thing to do would be to check out my podcast, the rich world podcast or Julie's podcast, divine through line.
1: Yeah, that would be great. You really get to know us. You know, um, we share a lot of authenticity there and rich has, you know, hundreds of episodes of amazing inspirational, uh, talks and, and people. And I have over a hundred episodes of spiritual musings and techniques and and ways that we can reconnect with our divinity um, specifically though, we actually have a cookbook coming out. Um, it's called the plant power Way Italia and it's uh, my third cookbook and rich and my second cookbook together. And this is an amazing uh, just collection of beautiful recipes that are all plant-based using my amazing plant-based cheeses. And it's a, uh, photographed on retreat in Italy at this amazing villa that we take 33 people to every year. And the book is designed with not only over 125 amazing plant-based, delicious, creative, yummy recipes, but it also has um, slices of the lifestyle. So it invites the reader to come on retreat with us. So, you can experience uh, yoga and tea ceremony and movement and mindfulness and beloved this relationship with yourself. So, it's a beautiful coffee table book. It's going to be on sale April 24th. And if you want to support us, buy our book, share it. And um,
2: you can pre order it now.
1: Yeah, it's available for pre order now.
2: And then the final thing would be my memoir, Finding Ultra, which came out in 2012. It's been six years since that book came out. And I spent the better part of this past year rewriting that entire book. And the new revised second edition of it is coming out in mid-March. It's got 100... It's 100 pages longer, um, two new chapters, You know, tons of helpful, instructive information, new stories, and, and rewritten throughout. Super proud of it. Um, so you can, uh, that, that won't be, you can't pre-order that, but around March 15th or 16th, um, that should be popping up on Amazon, uh, for anybody who wants to check it out. If you already read Finding Ultra, I think you'll be delighted with the new material. And if you're new to me and have never heard my story, that's the best way to, um, get the full picture of like what I'm all about.
0: So guys, is there anything else you want to share with us? Well, I would just say, uh, you
1: know, I know when Rich and I were going through, you know, our struggles, we, as I said briefly, we went through a complete, what I call dismantling and financial collapse for for a nine-year period. It was no small task. And, you know, everybody has these experiences in their life. They have we go through divorces, their death of loved ones, financial collapses, um, natural disasters, all kinds of things happen in a human life. And what we like to do is, is we learn to receive those experiences in a place of power rather than in a place of victimhood. And so as powerful creators, we can shift our perspective in those moments and choose to experience what we might call a dark night of the soul as really your most sacred moment. And so we just want to share with everyone out there who may be experiencing some kind of trauma in life um, that we believe in you to find your way through and that we see this um, as your sacred moment and hold you in your highest expression of the being you came in to live and express and embody. Because you are an emanation of divinity, of divine consciousness. And so it can't be otherwise. That everything in your life is happening for you, designed by you. And so if you're struggling, please um, know that we are holding you in the light. That you will find your way through. And we trust you and believe in you as an all-knowing creator to do just that. Beautiful. I would add
2: to that, sort of in closing,
1: that, you know, Henry David Thoreau famously
2: said the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And what is considered resignation is confirmed desperation. And I think that's a very profound statement. And I think it's emblematic of where a lot of people find themselves today. You know, we're in this very weird time where, you know, a lot of people are in jobs that they don't like. They find themselves in you know careers that are unfulfilling, and they're confused about where to find meaning and purpose in their lives. And so, if you are suffering, consider that just indicia evidence that you that your body and your soul is trying to wake you up and alert you to the fact that perhaps there is something better uh, waiting for you out there. And you know, our journey, Julie and I together, has been about. Uh, this sort of hard-worn path towards trying to live more authentically, and it has not been easy. You know, Julie calls it the warrior's path, and there's a good reason for that. We've suffered, and we've sacrificed, and we've come very close to the brink, and you know, almost lost everything. There was a moment in which Julie said, "You know, we're either going to realize all our dreams, or everything is going to get taken away from us," and it could have gone either way. And so for those who are listening who think, well, it's you know it's easy for Rich and Julie. They, this is you know what they have going on, it's, blah, whatever you know whatever projection is being placed on us, you know it's, I would like people to, to know that that we fought long and hard for this, and it took a long time. So be patient and invest in yourself, do that inside work, really connect with who you are, and start trying to bring expression to those things. That are important to you; those nagging little thoughts in the back of your mind that that have gone too long unexpressed. Try to try to bring expression to them, and that doesn't mean you know up and quit your job tomorrow, but it just means try to cultivate um, those practices to bring more meaning and depth into your life, and then be open to. The adventure that uh, that that ultimately you know gets presented in front of you, and to, to sort of walk forward um, through whatever fear you may have um, with with joy and anticipation for what life may deliver you.
0: Rich and Julie, thank you so much. That was absolutely beautiful, and. I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing in the world and for the love and the light that you are shining out on the world and for your authenticity for your honesty this whole interview i have just been sitting here and i can really feel the love and the authenticity and the honesty that is just pouring out of both of your hearts. And I'm I'm so grateful that you gave us your time and for all the love and the work that you're doing in the world. So thank you so much. And if you ever come to Australia, please let us know. Um, and I'll do the same if I come to LA. But thank you so much for being here. I'm so, so grateful. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. It was an it was honor. A, yeah, it
2: was our pleasure. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much.
0: I loved today's episode and got so much out of it. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who else you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 83. And you can also check out all my other episodes there too. Just a reminder that you can now order my second book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking relationships and soulful sex. And all you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And if you want to be the review of the week next week, make sure you leave me a five star review in iTunes. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself, and for showing up today for you.